0: Good evening and welcome to Wanderings and Wool Gathering, episode 130. Tonight on the show, we are inviting a creator, a comic book creator, to the show. His name is Tyler Chin Tanner, and he is from A Wave Blue World. The uh, A Wave Blue World started in 2005 by Tyler and his, uh, I assume, his wife, Wendy Chin Tanner. We'll ask him about that. Um, they are an independent publisher of high-quality graphic novels, anthologies, and art books focusing on socially conscious storytelling and providing a platform for a multitude of creative voices. it would be interesting to talk a little bit about the socially conscious aspect of that. Um, it's kind of a big topic right now, so I'd like to dig in a little bit to that. But for the most part, we're going to be talking about his new book. It's volume two of Mezzo. It's called Battle of Koban Rock. I'm going to ask him if I pronounced that correctly. Here's the first volume of Mezzo right here. And uh, the second one comes out next week. So uh, we're going to talk about that tonight. If you like what you see in here tonight, subscribe and leave a comment. Feel free to share with your friends. And joining me as always is none other than Metalhead. Step inside into his mind. It's boy band time. It's Metalhead Monday. There he is. Metalhead Monday Thank himself. You. All right. Well, nobody wants to look at our ugly mugs, so let's just bring him in right now. Our guest tonight, Tyler Chin Tanner from A Wave Blue World.
1: There I am. Hey, there he is, uh, everybody. Thanks for having me. So, oh, welcome. Yeah, great. So, uh, yeah, I heard your intro. Happy to talk about anything you want to bring up. <laughs> All of and yes, 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 Wendy is my wife. So, um we were actually married the same year we formed the company. It was sort of like a jo- mm. joint venture. Let's get married and uh, open a company. We got married in July and the company was in September. So, boom, boom.
2: Wow. Yeah,
0: and that's impressive, 2005. A lot of independent publishers come and go quickly and you guys have managed to be around for 17 years and putting out really quality stuff.
1: Yeah, thanks. Yeah, I mean, I still had a year to go in art school. Um I kind of like, you know, they were talking about senior projects or, you know, final things. And, you know, Joe Kubert was my teacher. And I was like, well, I'm just going to start. It was initially sort of just starting my first self-published comic book, you know, which is Adrenaline Number no. 1, which I was working on this year. And, and I, I had to give it a name. You know, that was part of the assignment was the lo- the logo and everything like that. And uh, so I came up with the Wave of the World in a real sort of like casual, like fun sort of you know, atmosphere of, like, a, a student assignment. And uh, it just kind sort of stuck. Like, I ended up putting adrenaline out under that logo. And people are confused by it at first, but um, it definitely, like, separated myself, gave myself, me my own sort of feel to it. Like, so many other companies coming out were just, like, one word, like, the short, like, boom. Uh, Alice, alias, whatever they, you know, things like that. Like, you know, I was like, yeah, well, different. So...
0: Um, where did that name come from yeah
1: okay so i mean i was just working on my assignment trying to come up with a name for my you know then just like you know uh, fake uh, company for for my assignment and um you know obviously it's a twist off of brave new world which mm-hmm. is a book by aldous huxley and then a quote from uh, shakespeare from the tempest and you know i my my theme and you know, has always sort of been like this, like, like you said, reading the company socially uh, aware and conscious, which you think back to books like Fahrenheit 451, Brave New World, Animal Farm, 1984, things like that. Like that's sort of the vein that I wanted to work in, like either allegories or direct, you know, storylines dealing with our culture, you know, globally, um, politically, things like that. Um, and so, But yet, also wanted to have sort of this light, fun feel to it. So we switched it to like Wave Blue, which is sort of, you know, water regeneration, kind of, kind of got that like that vibe, almost like a surfer, but not like totally, but you know, a little (laughs) bit on that side. So yeah, it makes it all sort of together. Like I said, at first, it was sort of like a joke, like, get this kind of like thing, you know, okay, look, look funny, like turning it in and. But yeah, you know, the more I got into it, I like it. And I don't mind if people mess it up. I hear people like Brave Blue, <laughs> this and that. Like I don't take like I, I feel bad for them, like, oh I'm sorry I did that to you. I, like, I don't take it like personally I'm not mad when people get it get it wrong. As long as, long as the tax filings and paychecks are are spelled correctly, <laughs> I'm good. You know?
0: Awesome. Um... Where did the uh, the social awareness part come from? Was that just part of your background and who you are?
1: Yeah. Um, that that wasn't why I wanted to get into independent. Like if, you know, I thought about it, like, where do I want to go after art school and work for hire or is it independent? But my biggest reason was I just, I wanted to be able to tell stories that sort of spoke to something. You know, I, I like to keep it broad. It's not necessarily like, you know, spot on political or or this like that but if we're not saying something about the world or who we are as people um you know and i was like harking back to like comic books you know um superheroes superman all of that like started in, in direct um you know response to a very large political event in world war ii and the holocaust and, and things like that so i mean that's sort of our, the history of our medium so i just wanted to embrace that side of it and just sort of let people know like you know, don't be surprised if there's a social message in the comic you pick up from a wave the world, you know, I'm not pulling the wool over anybody's head here.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Comics are always good at mirroring the world and what's going on at the time. So that's very cool. Yeah. Mundy, you want to jump in there?
2: Yeah, I was going to take a second. Um, <clears throat> if you guys don't mind, I'll take a second how to explain how we became aware of your company. Um, yeah. We, uh, I think, during the peak pandemic, when Diamond distributors shut down, our uh, our friend that owns our local comic shop, I mean, he was struggling to stay afloat, just like everyone else, and he really started leaning heavily on ordering independent books that ship directly to him, kind of you know routing around Diamond to get product to put in people's hands. And Wave Blue World was one of those companies and he ordered a lot of, uh, you know, uh, graphic novels and trades from you guys. And I, I mean, we were hungry for content. So, you know, we started snatching everything up. And uh, I mean, your books are just their quality. So he he kept ordering more and we kept buying more. And mm-hmm. I mean, I definitely try to keep an eye on what you guys are doing. But yeah, that's how, that's how we became aware of that's great you guys, you guys put out the jack the radio comic mm-hmm. so, and that was i mean i had never heard of them I, I didn't even know it was a band that comic got shoved in my face and was like <laughs> hey this is something you would like and i'm like oh cool and we ended up you know talking to those guys and being yeah. friends with them. and we talked to you and justin through that and so here we are
1: yeah <laughs> that's great yeah both those stories i mean one um the comic shop you know i remember that sending him out some things and um yeah with jack the radio too i mean it was really cool like i've gotten to know the band you know he i met him down in charlotte uh where he's from for heroes con um yeah. but before that before he came up to me with the anthology i didn't know his music and i got his new album that we did the the comic for and i'm like it's great like legit like like listening to this album so
2: yeah you know, there that's what i had never heard of him and i looked him up and i'm like holy crap these guys are good Yeah, so we just reached out, and it turns out the drummer is actually from Kokomo, where we live. So, oh wow, no, I didn't realize that. Wow. Yeah, he's been back to visit family here, and we all met up with him, and so that was great. Great, yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Creatures, that was a really good one. I loved the. I, I wish more groups would do this because it's so fun to hold that book and listen to the song and go along, you know, read the story along with it. It's such a cool experience that you don't get much anymore. Um, with print media kind of taking a back seat sometimes to digital. Yeah. So I really appreciate you guys did that.
1: Yeah, that was fun. Great project.
0: All right. Well, you know what? We yeah. need to talk about something big going on with you right now. Yeah, sure. Let's do it. It's called <laughs> Mezzo. Yeah. And um, very, very cool book. Actually, Monday hit me to this one. I didn't even see it on the shelf. I think it was one that Sean got in and he yeah. read it and he's like, you got to read this. And, um, and I did. <laughs> and it was okay. awesome.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's the title that I've been writing the last couple years, few years. I mean, I think I started writing this in maybe even 2016 or something when I really got it going. And then, uh, yeah, Volume 1, the complete book came out um, and beginning of 2020, so shortly before the pandemic. So it did get fully out, but then it's sort of, you know, it's time span out there was immediately, like, you know, hit into the pandemic. And so it was fun to, like, do it again with Volume 2 and get that out this year. You know, I ran the five issues over the summer, and uh, the collected volume is, uh, is coming out next week. I've got a copy. I know you weren't able to show a copy, but uh, mm-hmm. there's what uh, volume two. And that's what you're showing there is the first issue of volume Correct. two. Yeah, and so here's the complete book, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, super excited. Real, been really having a blast writing this title, um, working with the creators, you know, Val Rodriguez, and who does the line work, and Gab Contreras, because the colors, the main timeline, we have a separate colors for the flashback, Bargatomi. And, um, yeah, I mean, I think feel like everybody's really been able to let loose on this one and, and uh, you know, really grow into their, their style and their work. And I was just so excited for how this one came out. Yeah.
0: so Why Mezzo? Why that era or that, that time period for your story?
1: um so i mean the story goes like i was thinking i actually came up with a fantasy concept first um without actually the distinct i mean it was a loose it was a loose uh concept but it wasn't specifically um mesoamerican quite yet i thought maybe foresty and actually some of some of the images came to me actually when i was in africa in in sort of the jungle and, and some of that thought's came there, Um, but it was the artists that I wanted to work with, and he went to the Kubert School as well, a few years behind me, and we met after he graduated, and um, we were just talking about working together, and I'm like you know, what do you like to work on? And I've mentioned fantasy, like I would love to write a fantasy series. And he's like, oh, we'd do a fantasy. You know, I would love to design the world and the characters based off around, you know, Aztec, Mesoamerican, Inca, you know, history and, and architecture and things like that. And I was like, well, that sounds amazing, right? And I'm like, well, if you're willing to draw that, you know, I will do the research. So, you know, I went and got all the books that I could, all the materials. And... You know, educated myself as best as I could, but we did make it a fantasy world because I didn't, I, don't, I mean, one, that that would be difficult to create an entertaining story just purely from the history. I mean, I'm sure there's there's stuff there and people have done that. But also I didn't want to like, you know, I don't know, um, put myself in risk of like not telling something correctly or am I the correct voice to tell that thing? And I'm just like, yeah, no, I don't, you know, don't quite want to get into that. So um. Yeah, it's a fantasy tale that's, like, highly researched and inspired by Mesoamerican history.
2: Yeah, I really like the, the touches there. You know, it it's very easy to see the aesthetic in, um, you know, of that time period. But you bring the touches in with, like, the, you know, the, I don't the magic or sorcery, whatever you want to call that. And, yeah. and like, the forest giants and all that. some some really cool stuff going on there that lends to the fantasy
1: yeah i had a lot of fun like putting a lot of like fantasy elements into it right so like the story could almost exist like without it it's very much sort of like culture clashing warfare most of that is just you know weapons blades and things like that against um each other but then like being like, well, this is a fantasy world. So getting a little bit more with the creatures and a little bit more of the the magic in the background type like thing. It's not like overpowering. It's not tons of wizards like shooting <laughs> magic beams at each other. But like there is, you know, it's, it's almost sort of like a really, because I play off of like... Different forms of religion. There's the very overt preacher-esque, "Follow my words and my gods" type like thing, and then there's the very like understanding the world we live in, essence of existence, sort of magic type thing. So,
2: yeah, uh, it's almost. I would more almost. I said magic, but I think maybe a better descriptor would be like maybe mysticism or yeah. shaman, shamanism or something. <laughs> like that, right? Exactly.
0: Yeah, that's it's a little
1: more like that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. One thing I was talking to Mundy about, um, I've only read the first volume. I think he's read both because he got the single. So he knows what happens. So don't spoil anything. Mm -hmm. But um, one thing that I was talking to him about it was, you know, it's it's cool that the world looks beautiful on the page and you've done that work. But it doesn't matter if you don't care about the characters. And so you've got some very interesting interplay with the characters and um, a, a villain who could be a protagonist, you know, through the first one. And I can't wait to see where it goes. Um, Talk a little bit about your characters and how you do your character work.
1: Yeah, well, this was an interesting one because it was an ensemble, uh, became an ensemble cast very quickly. Um, And I realized like it almost didn't even, like it began supposed to be very more centered on Rodin and Kima as the main two characters. But as I sort of built this world around them and, and everything that happened with them. And there's so many characters that go in and out. And I really didn't want to like limit myself just to those two. I mean, they represent the two, two sides nicely. And one's, you know, nobody's like, you know, the purely evil character out of those relationships. Um, But then, yeah, I mean, there's so many complex sides and I wanted to play a lot with that. I mean, a lot of this is about allegiances and loyalty and, you know, you know, what who, you choose, you know, loyalty towards your people versus ideas and things like that. Um, then, yeah, I really want to play like who got stuck in what sort of situation was that because of survival? Was Was it a power grab? And what complexities led them to this point, you know? And I think we will have some characters that you definitely could say, all right, they're evil. But like, you also see how they got there and how they're they're sort of a victim to to people above them as well. Like it's sort of a chain, right? Like even like the Mesopotamia, you know, you hear about them being this advanced city until you find out also like they got to that point by enslaving some of the other people. And now there's a bit of a comeuppance, you know, part of that too. So everything's like, you know, you dig another layer deeper, you find out, you know, this character's, you know, maybe isn't as bad as you thought, as good as you thought. You know, That that's what I wanted to play with. and. You know, with, with as the cast grew to a certain level, um, I didn't wanna make sure it just didn't expand and expand and we're not gonna have like multiple tangents, but I think we reach sort of like this comfortable like nine or 10 or so, and we'll sort of see how they keep, you know, you'll see people run across each other and away and back again, you know, things like that. So I've just been having a fun keeping track of these characters as they seem to kind of grow beyond me sometimes. I'm just not sort of like, oh, well, I didn't know that character was gonna end up doing that. <laughs> Kind of thing, and like, but you just you just kind of go with it and uh, have fun. And I'm looking forward to doing uh, a few more of these series.
2: Yeah, I really How enjoyed you- that. In the second series, the interplay between you know the family and layers of family as it expands out and loyalty mm-hmm. within that, and you know, it, it was pretty interesting to see which way people ended up going.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I think you're right. I think you're smart that your villain like characters are gray, you know, rarely is anything black and white. So we can relate to them more. There's more of an understanding when they're, uh, you know, kind of a gray character. And uh, so it's pretty smart, but you mentioned they're growing the idea comes and then you change as you go. Did you have a basic outline? Like eventually this is where we're ending.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, it's just the middle has sort of expanded out. Um, you know, and hopefully not too wide. Like I think it's still pretty like streamlined in some sense. It's just sort of like fat, you know, fattened along the way rather than just you know trying to keep the tangents from going too much. Like, but um, yeah, no. I originally I was well at one point all of Volume Two was part of Volume One. Like Battle of Coban Rock was supposed to be the the finale to Volume One, and then I was just like, well, I will never never get there. I mean, unless I wanted to make it 10, 10 issues or whatever, which you know doesn't make. Makes sense just the way that things are marketed and trades mm-hmm. um and for like a brand new series i didn't want you know give somebody like you'd much rather start off like you know with this size and double that um and that's sort of just w- what's been happening like i know where i'm going with this um it's all set to the, the coming eclipse like that'll be the sort of the finale of of this long form story arc you know not the individual ones so um what's grown is sort of what takes place before we get there. And I've got to make sure it doesn't get too much long because people might be like, I thought this thing was coming already. You know? Like everybody's acting like it's about to show up. So I won't stretch that out, but I mean, as you get more like into each of these characters and you want to tell a bit of their backstory and I do find the flashback fascinating. Like I don't want to reveal too much, but like with each step, we sort of in the main storyline. I like to reveal a little bit more in the flashback. So um, as long as, you know, each new volume is entertaining in its own right, which I'm really excited for volume three, The Trial of Rodin. So, um, you know, I, I, I just I think this is a blast to write. Um, I think it looks so great when I get the material from the artists and people seem to be feeling the same way when they read it. So I think that's all, all you kind of need to keep something going for a little bit. So that's what I plan on doing.
2: Yeah it's definitely fun to read because I mean when I got the first book now was the first series was it released as single issues?
1: No so with the first one well, I just released the first issue of the first one and okay. then the book came out like two months later because
2: you guys, yeah. you guys have done that with several but like release really, it's kind of a preview first issue and then released the graphic novel
1: yeah, we tried that for a little bit. We haven't been doing that now. I don't know if I'll go back to it. It, just, it was one of those things where it's like almost like the confusion was was like worse than the advantages. Like there are people that loved it and like totally understood, and they're like, "Oh, that's cool." But then there was always these stores that were like, "I'm so confused," and like or the people, the readers, and their confusion was worse than the positivity of the people that liked it. So you know, that's why we went back to the five issues with volume two. And of course the same thing happened that I knew would was like orders drop for each issue. Um, Some people can't find a number two and they're like, I got three and four, but I couldn't find the, you know, which is, which is what I was like hoping to avoid. Like, just like here, have a cool number one with like taste of the story and, and preliminary sketches and stuff, and then just jump right in, into the trade. Um, But like, again, like, you know, People can still do that. They still could just buy the number one and then just buy the trade if they wanted to. So I guess in this way, it's choices for everybody more.
2: Uh, I actually ran into that with Crash and Troy because I got the first issue and um, our friend ordered the first issue and he didn't realize it was going to keep going in single. So I, I've, I'm i still waiting on a number two and <laughs> number three. So oh, I'll,
1: I'll send you some. Um, yeah, Diamond sell sell that. That. He's it, already it, okay good 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 um we did sell out in diamond um number two we were that was the first one we sold out on we still had copies of number one left and number two sold out because
2: well, um, i think he said it was available if it's not then i'll get a hold of you so well so
1: on friday they they were gone so if he okay. could have been that could have been the order that made them disappear because i remember waking up on friday and just being like oh my god diamonds at zero um And so that what that could have been was the people that like didn't realize it at first ordering it. So um, I don't have enough to sort of send to Diamond and they don't like it if they're like, you just have like 50 copies or something. I don't want to like more hassle to get them back in and get them back out. So I'm just sort of keeping an ear out if somebody needs it. I have, you know, a few left there. But yeah.
2: If, if that happens in the future, then it turns out I know a guy now. So. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> and
1: and, and exactly. so I'm just going to try to be consistent from this point forward, right? Like, I just made the decision to go back to issues. We're not going to do a lot. Like, we will do some straight-to-graphic novels, and we'll do some anthologies and things like that. But if we run something that has, like, a form of a series, we'll just print, you know, the four or five issues. Awesome. You know, four for am I, and the, I
2: will pass that info along to him. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, but what I was trying to say was that the mezzo is definitely fun to read. And I love the, uh, the graphic novel. You know, it's always nice to have a complete story when you sit down to read something. And sometimes when if I know something is going to be a mini series, I will wait until I have it all and then read it all at once. Or, you know, I, I sometimes I'll trade weight on things, but I don't really love to do that. I like to support what I want to support. Yeah. But so this one, Mezzo was so good. It was hard. I I couldn't wait until I had it all. So now that I have it all, I need to sit down and read the entire thing again, the second series.
1: Well, that's great. Well, how was it reading, reading it like in, in issue chunks, like with a break in between it, about a month?
2: Well, I, I mean, like, like I said, I was so excited to get it when it came out. I couldn't just wait, but. Right. Yeah. I definitely love sitting to read the whole story all at once. Oh. It's easier to digest that way, and if you read a lot of books, it's you know it's easy to get lost reading yeah. an issue a month or something.
1: Yeah, that that's exactly it. I think that's why so many people do go to trades and and just like to read that way. It's it's easier to read. I mean, that's how most people write it. I mean, if you're writing a four or five issue story arc, right? I mean, the monthly thing was almost, was came about more when it was just a single adventure per issue and to have something continue over was a rarity. Um, But like, even like when, even if I can't sit down and read the whole thing, I don't necessarily want to wait a month per chapter too. So that can be a ways, but it's just, it's what people have gotten used to. And, you know, it makes for good, like marketing each month, you get something new, like, oh, remember this, because people need to be reminded of things sometimes over and over again. So if you get to do that every month for four or five months, you know, it can help. So
2: market has definitely moved to trades, I think, oh. I, certainly for getting them into like regular bookstores, as opposed to comic shops. It's, it seems especially like the big companies, they, they don't, they want like a five to seven issue story so then they can put it in the trade and get it on the shelf.
1: Yeah. No, no, absolutely. And it'll have, a, you know, a chance at a longer shelf like that way, which is great.
0: Yeah. I, I'm the, the rarity. I think I like the serialized nature. I want to get to the end to be like, oh, I got to know the you know, but then I've got to wait. And I think that's part of the charm of, of comics, especially if you have a good writer who has those great cliffhangers yeah uh, it's like a tv show in the past and we had to wait you know <laughs> right 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 so um i had a question for you because obviously you're on here and we're both very complimentary because we love the story yeah. um i write a lot of articles and i used to go read what people would say and then i'm like now i'm just like uh no because <laughs> there are a lot of very cruel people that just say dumb crap on there do you yeah. go actively seek the reviews w- once you're done
1: i definitely don't. i wouldn't say i actively seek them i mean the only reason i do is just sort of like for publicity's sake like mm-hmm. to, you know they usually tag us and i tweet it on and it's like mm-hmm. if something's positive you'll find try to find a good quote from it and like say hey they said this or whatever or if it was sort of like lukewarm you'll just be like oh well another review and post it if somebody doesn't like it, I probably mm-hmm. wouldn't repost it um But I don't have any like I I don't know I mean reviews are sort of funny in this business because it's a lot of it's like just a hobby for a lot of people right like very little people are like um making a making I won't even say a living but like making money from it. which, you know, so there are some good ones that that go about it, but then there's just so many that are just, like, putting their personal opinions uh, up there, and I'm like, I'm just, like, not gonna be too concerned (laughs) about your personal perspective. Like, go ahead and have it and buy the comics you want. But there's a little bit like that, like, if you're gonna, like, treat this so personally, like, like, why did you even buy my my comic? Like, do a better job picking out the comics you enjoy, Mm -hmm. if that's what your approach is gonna be. Um, But, um, no, I don't. Like, Yeah, I mean, I definitely don't get invested in it, even if I happen to see anything. I, I don't even really worry too much about it. Yeah.
2: Every art form is so subjective. I mean, yeah. any art form, not every, but any art form. And it's, yeah, I mean, it's all, if you like something or don't like something, then what? who cares, first of all? And, and also... What's what's the difference if someone has a different opinion? Like, I, there, I was actually talking about a book I was enjoying the other day, and someone told me, like, oh yeah, I just talked to somebody; and they absolutely hated it. I'm like, okay, cool. I I still like it. <laughs> right. it's, I mean, it's just all opinions, and I people. You're talking about people making a living writing comics and stuff, and I I think I, people just try to make a living by tearing stuff down. Like, I I don't. I, I really don't like that kind of attitude. I want to, I try to go into things wanting to enjoy them. And yeah. if I do awesome and if I don't uh, on to the next one, you know, it's like, it's not the end of the world that some people treat it that way.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's, it's, it is a serious medium. I'm not going to say that, but I mean like, but in some ways we're, we're just providing the like, candy for people who like their flavors of candy. Would you ever really yeah you know, argue with somebody if somebody likes a Snickers versus, uh, you know, a Kit Kat or something like that. I mean, I sort of, I, like, I hope nobody takes that like insulting this, but I mean, I feel like that's kind of what we're doing. It's just so like entertainment based around your, int- your personal interests. You know, that's what we're feeding people. Yep. Yeah,
0: yeah, no, absolutely. It just needs to be based on, you know, if it's a genre you don't necessarily like and you have to review it, you just needed it based on storytelling. Right. Was it good storytelling? You know, can you tell the person what they were doing? So, yeah. But people don't always keep that in mind. Yeah. Hey, I want to put it on the screen here for anyone watching. Where could they go to buy Mezzo?
1: Best place would be to awbw.com because I will sign it myself and send it out packaged safely. So you'll get it in great shape in a Gemini mailer signed by me. Um, And that's live now. so that would be the place. But, I mean, also, if they have a comic book store that ordered it, you know, absolutely. There's some support your comic shop. Um, But, yeah, for anybody that doesn't know, like, oh, yeah, I'll just run down there on Wednesday and grab it. Like, that's that's how you can get it. Um And, uh, yeah, it'll be out to you this week. Yeah. Tell and your comic shops. Like,
2: yeah, if your local comic shop does not have it, just tell them to order it. And Yeah, yeah,
1: that too, yeah. They can order it the to Diamond. They can get a hold of me. You know, directly through the website, um, and I will be happy to send out direct, like I did to the shop in Kokomo. Mm-hmm.
0: Hey, so you said you know this coming week is the release of Volume Two. When are you planning to release in singles Volume Three?
1: Uh, the same. Hopefully, we'll hit the same schedule we hit this year, which is to start number one in May, run it through September, book out you know end of October, early early November.
0: Okay. Very good, yeah. and you've you've already got all that planned out, how huh? the writing yeah. is done in your mind, so to speak.
1: Um, well, I mean, the, the the actual scripts for the first three <laughs> issues are are done into my artist. Uh, he just finished number yeah. two, and he's on number three, so I'm writing number four now. And yeah, I already have the outline pretty pretty. Um, Pretty, you know, figured out even before I started. So yeah, yeah, no, it's 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 going. Right? I wouldn't be saying it'd be out in May <laughs> if, if we weren't already on it. So uh,
0: yeah. So you're you're writing this one. You're running a company. I you're obviously an artist as well. Are you working on anything else at a Wave Blue World right now?
1: Um, personally, I mean, I am. Um, I'm tr- I'm trying to work on my drawing a little bit. I would love to be able to draw like, I don't know, some short stories or maybe get back into doing like layouts. I'm thinking maybe on my next series, I might try to do like pencils, layouts and maybe just get a finished artist over it. Um, But it's tough, tough to find the time, you know? And I got Mm -hmm. kids and family and things like that. Like, it's just about balance. I've been trying, you know, especially with the pandemic and everything through things kind of for a loop. I'm like, really? Like, I think that's just life in general, but like, I don't want to overcommit myself, but yeah, I would love to be able to draw some stuff um the only other thing that i can say like that i am working on is a sequel to the orphan king i did a first my first ya title um geez what was it two years ago now a year and a half ago um i would love to do a sequel to that so that's sort of on the back burner like i am thinking through volume two but mezzo and the company everything have been been
0: keeping me pretty busy is orphan king like arthurian yes
1: Yeah, it's a it's a twist off of it, and so it's not Arthur. I named him uh, Caden, Prince Caden, Um, and the twist of it is that when he comes back, nobody cares about his sword. He doesn't get to inherit the kingdom. Um, The monarchy's already been overthrown, so he sort of casts adrift and has to like learn um, the lessons of these you know this land and the people he was supposed to rule. Like actually, like you know, working with them and and seeing their needs and and uh you know all, all of this stuff so uh yeah i really enjoyed doing um doing that one i'd love to go back to it um did you want me to answer this question
0: sure it just popped up there this is from a facebook user so they want to know if anyone inspired tyler any uh, sort of comic or writer
1: yeah totally well i started reading comics as a, as a really young uh kid and um you know uh my early ones um that I really got into um, were, let's see, well, there's Ann Ascenti on Daredevil, mm-hmm. um, which I love that run, Peter David on Hulk, uh, Chris Claremont on X-Men. I love the independent things like um, Wendy Pinney on ElfQuest, uh, Eastman and Laird on the Turtles. Um, did I mention Hama on G.I. Joe? Larry Hama on G.I. Joe was one of my favorites as a kid. Um, yeah, and I just sort of, I've just been reading consistently, so you can sort of just name like the t- some of the best writers like mm-hmm. through, through that time um, and up till now. But yeah, no, I mean, I think i have a very broad, like I read, not only do I read lots of different types of comics, but like books, um, you know, whether it's novels, sci-fi, fantasy, um, things like that. So, you know, I like to read a lot of different things, including like reading, you know, nonfiction as well, too, whether it's for inspiration or research or, or not. Um, So,
2: yeah, you mentioned two things that I would like to talk about. If you don't mind, you mentioned your kids, uh, your daughters, your your two daughters and mentioned uh, your basically what comics you grew up reading. So I absolutely love videos that you do with your daughters, when you just you're literally just you have the camera on a pile of comics from when you were a kid. And you're flipping through the covers and you guys are just talking about them. It's so great. It's a, it's a really cool way to maybe try to get them, you know, connected or involved with the comics that you loved and a good way for you to maybe expose a new generation or anyone that's watching to something they may not be familiar with. And it's just a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, thanks. Yeah, I really enjoy it. Yeah, I've been trying to get them on, like, video and doing different things and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I love showing them, like, my old my old stuff, for sure. Or, or, you know, the new things that they're doing. Like, they love when a new Wave the World book comes in and they add it to their collection. And um, But when I show them either, whether it's, like, Fantastic Four, which were even, like, before my time, but I collected, like, went out and got, or it was the actual comics I was buying off the shelf. Yeah. The
2: G.I. Joe was the one... It was the last one that I saw, and you did like I, two or three of those because you had so many, you broke it up, I think. But, uh, yeah, that oh was, yeah, yeah. That was great to see see all those covers. That was a blast from the past.
1: Oh good, yeah. I'm glad you dig that. Yeah, I just like some of it was just sort of rebagging because I went in there and I was like the, the bags it gets sticky and everything, so I was like, man, I need to get these. And it's it's fun to just pull them out, sort of like raw, like feel the paper on paper, like stack before you read. Rebag them in there and just like, yeah, just flipping through all the covers. Cause yeah, so many of them just like, you forget like how, how how awesome they are. Like they really hold up. It's not one of those things like, like the cartoons. Sometimes when I watch like cartoons that I watched when I was a kid, and I'm like, these don't hold up very well. <laughs> but like the comics too, you're like, mm-hmm. you know, look at this. So that's the great thing. Like pulling something out that you read as a kid, you know, and, and being like, you know, to them, yeah, it looks pretty much as good as something coming out now. So.
2: And I know also you have been making the rounds quite a bit in the the cons over the last few months. Uh, I don't know if you are going just for I mean, was it are you going just to represent a wave blue world or you kind of going more because you have this book coming out? Or both or what
1: uh, it's outside. a mix and match. I mean, I, most of the time when I go to conventions, I'm going like with a booth or a table for a wave blue world. Um, but with the pandemic and I really cut that out, um, with New York comic con, I just never bought a table. I wasn't sure I wanted to commit. So I just got myself a badge. And so, um, I went and I got to represent wave Blue World a little bit cause I had artists there. I brought them books and things like that. But yeah, I get to spend a lot of time just, um, you know, go- going to see these creators that I loved. Um, some of them, you know, modern, but some of them from the '80s when I was reading, it, and get to be a fan. I mean, that's that's something you miss. Both, I think, because of the pandemic and for doing this professionally, is I I miss just being like a fan that loves like comics and these mm-hmm. these creators. And so to be able to go go around and see them, and even in Baltimore when I had a booth, you know, that's where I saw Ian Nascetti and. And some of these others, that I just ran over there with my old books. I love to sh- bring my old books. Like, this is something I bought off the spinner spinner rack. I kept it in decent shape, but it's not like near mint. And I'm not bringing it to them in like a Mylar, like cut out for them to sign. Like nothing against that. And I've I've actually done that a couple times. It is kind of fun. Um, but like, you know, that's that's the exception. Whereas like the main thing is just to take the comics that I read and 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 bring that to them and just like. Yeah, here. here are the,
2: the actual comics that I bought I've done several times, too. Just yeah. I mean, it's a comic that obviously has been read many, many, many times. And it, yeah. it's in the best shape, but it's still that is representative. Of, you know, the comic that you love and meeting this creator that you've been reading since you were a kid. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's a lot of fun. I I actually over... Just like a couple of months ago, uh, my wife and I went to Libertyville, Illinois, because they had, there's a museum there, had a Bill Sienkiewicz mm. um, exhibit, and he is my all-time favorite artist. Yeah. And um, the, I actually found out he was going to be there for a mm-hmm. signing. So I'm like, uh, we're going to that. Yeah. and. So that was pretty great, and I took. He was only signing like three things and whatever, so that was fine. But yeah, I've met him before, but I've had him sign old beat up comics, you know. And it, it's just, that's, it's that's just awesome. As a you know, it's just just to get that name on that book. It's just a lot of fun.
1: Oh yeah, Bill is great. I mean, so he's so good. Like for so many decades now, too. Like I mean, in the '80s, he was doing stuff on new mutants and electro assassin and straight toasters that were blowing people's mind. And he's just been going at it ever since. Um, and he's great. He's a, he's a really nice guy too. I don't know him all that well. He came to the kubert school once and I've seen him at a couple of conventions and yeah, it seems like a great guy.
2: I've met him twice now. And the first time I met him in like 2007, I totally fanboyed out. At <laughs> oh yeah. At a huge pile of stuff for him to sign. He was so nice and, so gracious with his time and
0: Monday was there for four hours. <laughs> exactly. Come on, Monday, let's go. Yeah, no, he's he's great.
1: Yeah, he's one of my favorites from that from that era.
0: Are you going to get up to Chicago or Indiana for either of those cons? No,
1: I'm not. I don't. I don't know when I'm going to do something that requires a flight. You know, for a while, because no. I mean, two issues. I mean, one is extra exposure um, for getting sick, but also like it's just so much. Um, to bring like stuff out there and to do this right. setup, you know, back when I was like just a artist alley with a small stack of books and a retractable banner, like it was a little easier to get around. But now it's like I could go back to that and just sort of be like me or whatever, but I don't know. I prefer like going to the shows where I can set up a booth and show our different mm-hmm. different books and represent them. So yeah, just driving. I mean, I'll drive a ways out, like I'll drive to charlotte and uh you know, maybe i'll go to a few more in that direction but yeah that's that's about it i'm gonna keep it pretty conservative too like i'll do some shows but i think also just doing more things online actually has a better reach like because then you're not limiting yourself just the people who to go to that show you know mm-hmm. um so yeah try to do more things online make, mix it up a bit
0: cool so you mentioned uh well the question was asked about inspirations but we had decided beforehand that we were going to answer three things mm-hmm. we're gonna each say who our favorite all-time or older creator was favorite current creator and then our favorite issue yeah so um do you want to kick us off with the first do you want to do the um all-time or the sure the great I mean, my,
1: my all-time i mean i thought about it a little bit but it's it's pretty easy i i have to go with uh, joe Cuber. um for his body of work the the way he ran his career and the fact that he was like my my teacher i think i really just take a lot from him um which is funny i didn't actually know his work that well before i went to the school um but then i you know got like all his old works from from enemy ace and even in his old tour series which was like sort of like a tarzan um and he did tarzan for dc2 some awesome batman covers um just so unique like he just really embodied like his own sort of take like he um, I've always like a good combination of somebody like schooled and like the classic principles of storytelling and comics, but then someone who brings something to it that style. that's so unique, you know, like, like Bill Sengevich that we're talking about. And uh, I just thought he was great. And he was such an originator too. Like, I think some of that gets lost because his DC work is known so well, but you know, he did start his own company briefly. He did some of his independent characters tour. Um, he started the school, which was, you know, um, quite unique to have a school dedicated for cartooning and, and comic art. So, um, and I feel like I sort of like, you know, model my career a little bit about that. Like r- really having a very broad sort of take on what I'm bringing and contributing to the comic industry.
0: Yeah. Is that where you met Gavin Smith? Yeah, like Hubert. Okay, I kind of yeah. figured that was that was the case. Uh, Mundy, are you going with Bill?
2: Well, I mean, I mentioned Bill and I. So I've already talked about him. He is my absolute favorite artist of all time. It's, I've loved watching his evolution. I mean, by the time I found him, he already had that Sienkiewicz style. But then going back, it's really cool to watch his uh, progression as an artist. And um, as his talent grew, you know, like uh, well, it was Marvel at the beginning, they kind of started, you know, letting him loose a little bit and do his thing. think they find they realize like oh this is pretty awesome Mm -hmm. so but uh my yeah so he would definitely be my all-time favorite artist my favorite writer i mean i really there's no way for me to say anything other than neil gaiman it's it's hands down i mean that i've never been let down by his work whether it be in you know prose form Mm -hmm. Or comics or anything. So I got to go with Neil.
0: Interesting. Um, I didn't know we were supposed to do a writer as well. I just said creator, to pick one because uh, both are creators, but that's fine. See, I told you you were going to Tony us tonight. You just did it.
2: There you go.
0: <laughs> so um, I kind of, you know, at first I thought, oh, I'm going to say Wally Wood because he gave Daredevil all of the language that we know today that makes those comics work, but his time there was too limited. Um, so I think uh, probably George Perez, uh, the ability to, to fill a page with 50 characters and make it look great and not stuffed. It just looks right. He was on time. Um, you know, that became an issue with artists not being able to be on time or being overscheduled or whatever, but he was able to do that. Crisis on Infinite Earths, I think, is one of those events that I think still holds up and still just works. And it has huge emotional beats and it's um, it had actual impact on the industry and on DC Comics. So uh, I would say he's probably what I would consider that. So, And I didn't add a writer there. It's OK. Oh, here we go. We got uh, this just in.
2: I went with both. Favorite
0: writer current is Tom King. Favorite writer of all time, Roy Thomas. I bet this is oh, Pat Munsey. <laughs> yeah, Delicious. I'm sure it is. Let's just see. So um, Great choices as well.
2: Yeah, there's a lot of stuff Tom King's working on right now that I'm enjoying. <laughs> Roy Thomas, I mean, it's hard to go wrong with this stuff. Mm-hmm.
0: Yep, yeah. okay. So Let's go then to current creator. Who is uh, really doing it for you right now, Tyler?
1: Um, Well, so th- I decided to go artist in the last one. So writer on this one. That's how I was mixing it up. I'm going to go with uh, Rom V. My oh, yeah. Writer. I just love, I mean, These Savage Shores was the first one I read and th- it's still probably my favorite work of his. I mean, I- I'm a sucker for historical uh, fiction mixed with some fantasy, you know, obviously as a, Kind of fits with like mezzo there, but yeah, no, I just love that a time period piece that has its own sort of creative take. Uh, I just absolutely love that; it just blew me away. Uh, After that, I read uh, Layla Star, The Many Deaths of Layla Star, which is really good. Um, I think some that's almost become the more popular one, which it is very good, and uh, Felipe Andrade's art on it is fantastic. Um, His earlier one you got to pick up. um, I think Image collected it. Uh, blue and green is really good he did that one before these savage shores and then i don't read a lot of superhero stuff but since that's what he's doing right now i read his catwoman and currently reading his uh detective comics with um rafael Al- Albuquerque on it it's fantastic you know i mean it's not like i love catwoman and batman it's that's not a stretch at all but to read you know m- monthlies oh yeah and i heard he did venom but i haven't read that one yet
0: yeah he's doing a very nice job on venom he had a lot donny cates had done such an amazing job Creating yeah. this new mythos with Venom, and he stepped right in and uh, he's kept it going. And it's really good. Uh, and yeah, I, yeah, I I'd, I'd read the one guy.
1: before, so I was like, I really don't know what's going on with Venom these days. So, plus, <laughs> motivated. where Batman and Catwoman was a little easier to jump in. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Cool. I, I, I'm not terribly familiar with a lot of his work, but um, I haven't enjoyed very much what I've read, and I'm loving the, his current detective run. Mm. Yeah. It was really good.
0: All right, Monday. who's your favorite current? Um,
2: well, I have writer and artist, but they kind of go together because they've done two series together. Um, uh, the writer is Krista Faust, and the artist is Mike Deodato Jr. Um, and Deodato, I mean, he's been around since the mm-hmm. 90s. He's kind of a legend at this point. But I honestly think the stuff he is doing with AWA um, – mm-hmm which two series, he's done two series now with Krista Faust. Uh, the first one was Bad Mother and the second one was, um, oh my gosh, wow, uh, Redemption. And um, both of them are absolutely fantastic. And this, uh, those two series in particular have made me a huge, huge, huge new fan of Krista Faust. I Anything she puts out, in comic book form, I will read. And there's stuff she's done previously, previous to my discovery of her that I need to go back and check out. And I absolutely, absolutely love her storytelling. And she she's all over the map with what kinds of stories she tells. So, like, Bad Mother was basically kind of a taken situation, but instead of Leah Neeson, it's like a, a like a 50-year-old housewife Right. And <laughs> yeah,
1: i remember the marketing for that and i didn't know what to think about that like i was like oh okay like that's interesting like but i don't know you know if that was enough to make me like read it which i mean i haven't yet but i mean hearing your recommendation it definitely sounds like it's it so go back yeah all right
2: yeah if that that was the first one that i was like uh ah, you know cool idea whatever and yeah. um you know day artwork looked amazing so like i'll check it out and i've Love it. It may be an instant fan of hers, and Redemption's. So you go from that to Redemption, which is like uh, kind of a uh, post-apocalyptic. Uh, I mean, the, the antagonist or not the antagonist, the protagonist has uh, she's got like a, a cybernetic arm. I mean, it's it's just crazy. Mm-hmm. So she she can write all kinds of styles and genres. Mm-hmm so good i love loving her work
0: right now Great. krista faust okay uh my current is a writer um it's mark russell mm. he is so good with satire and poking fun at the ways of the world but then uh the second issue just came out of superman space age with mike allred and i know not everybody loves allred but i do Um, But his writing on this just proves that he can have biting satire, but he can also get the most pure superhero and how to write him and make him authentic and real and really take an angle on it. That is unique and interesting. Uh, This is such, this is the second book of this one. And it's uh, it's uh, what is that thing they're doing at DC right now? But I don't know. It's like prestige format or something, but they're a lot bigger it is so good. And um, I just, if, if he writes it, I buy it now because everything he touches is pretty much gold to me. Goes by Man Russ on Twitter. In case oh, you're interested. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. Um, so then that goes to the last question we had, which was favorite all time issue. Tyler, what do you have?
1: I mean, there's a few I could choose from, but I mean, I had to go with uh, GI Joe 21. The silent issue i I don't i don't know that anything else beats that not for me anyway i mean it's got both the nostalgia element of be buying that off the shelf and just really just blowing my mind and about like the craft i don't i don't know if it would have changed anything but i mean to me that's where i started thinking about comic books and the craft of it because without the word balloons you're just like oh my god an artist is writing a story like reading it through so Maybe I'm giving myself too much credit for the nine-year-old me or whatever age that was. But but no, I was like, wow, okay, here's an artist making choices, telling a story through there. And I, I, that's going to be, yeah, I don't, I don't know if anything beats that.
0: So the entire issue is just all I- images? Yeah, yeah.
1: There's no word balloon, captions, anything. You just follow the story through through panel, through through sequential art. That's it.
0: Yep. Yeah, Ben just tried that a few years ago on uh, Ultimate Spider-Man. And there was a silent issue like that. It was interesting. It was a cool effect. I didn't know that it had been done that early. So that's awesome. That that was (laughs) was, one that was slightly
1: before that. That was Nick Fury. um, Did a Nick Fury one that was sort of similar to that. Um, But it didn't have... It wasn't quite the same flair because it was... um, I think it did have captions, and now um, I don't know. I mean, I have to look back at it. So, may I, I don't even want to like compare, but I don't think it quite did it to the full extent that GI Joe Twenty One did.
2: That GI Joe one, I, I mean, that's a, it was an interesting idea for them because one of their, well, probably their absolutely most popular character uh, doesn't talk anyway.
1: Yeah, it's yeah, so yeah.
2: me. Drop, drop everyone else into his situation, and you, know, you get this classic. <laughs> Story that everyone remembers so many decades later. And, and it was all about
1: sneaking in too. So the idea was to be like, uh. that, you know?
2: Yeah. yeah. And I'm pretty sure, if I remember correctly, I'm pretty sure that is like a classic Mike Zek cover. And But I don't remember if he did. No, me.
1: it's not actually.
2: Oh, it's, not. Um,
1: it's Larry Hama did the pencils and Steve Liola did the inks on it leola you know he, he did like spider woman back in the day um but yeah i mean look it up Tell me if i'm i'm correct but i'm pretty sure that's that was the I yeah. it up now
0: too. i think uh, matt fraction also did a silent issue with um hawkeye yeah, when yeah. that little fun run he had okay oh we got another facebook user favorite recent one one bad day riddler Favorite all-time, X-Men 137.
2: I will say that Riddler issue was amazing. I am not a Riddler fan, really. I think he's kind of a dumb villain, but that was so good.
0: Was that written by the guy who played Riddler in the movie?
2: No, he is actually, I have that right here. He, Paul Dano, is doing a Riddler year one type
0: Year one, okay.
2: But that one, one bad day, I actually, I I think it was Tom King. I think, I don't know. I'm sure Pat will tell me, but.
1: (laughs) Oh, so I'm looking up 21. So that was the interior art that Larry Hama and Steve Lee loha did the art for so it looks like ed hannikin and klaus jansen did the cover
2: klaus wow. yeah I knew, like, I knew that was pretty close to where zek started his run oh right. yeah
1: and i'm looking at it i'm like it does sort of almost look like i mean i don't know what a. um yeah it does sort of look like his style like i could totally believe it yeah. um but yeah zek did some amazing covers and i think i showed that in, in that video that you're arguing back to um just yeah some really powerful stuff, and I remember that as a kid too. Like it started with the Larry Hama one, but man, some of those covers with Storm Shadow and Destro. Um, were... Well,
2: Mike Zeck is another one of my absolute favorites. And actually, I saw a an exhibit of his work at his alma mater, his art school, uh, which was weirdly connected to the Ringling Brothers. It's like the Ringling Art School. Mm -hmm. But um, it's in Sarasota, Florida, and it just happened to be going on when we were down there, so I went to that. And my favorite issue, which I have right here, Mm. is a Mike Zett cover. (laughs) (laughs) It's the Captain America 332, um, which is where the first time that he gives up being Captain America. And that it really blew my mind as a kid. This came out, I mean, I was like, 11 years old i think when this came out and it blew my mind and it really kind of made me love captain america even more because i mean he's always been a favorite he was Cap and batman have always been my two favorites so but at that time like it really made me love him even more as a character because instead of being just like a, a mindless kind of you know Flag waving government stooge. He's like, "That's not what I'm about. That's I represent the people, not the government. I I am about ideas, and, and you know, trying to take care of everyone. And I'm not just gonna do what you tell me blindly. Like that, that's not how this works. So rather than be that, he walked away. So it just absolutely blew my mind, kid.
1: Yeah." Yeah, it was great. Zach did some amazing Captain America covers, too. You know, that one with the, the Wolverine on the shield and everything.
0: It really great. Very good. Well, mine, <clears throat> I instantly went to, you know, Daredevil Born Again. But I just thought to myself, and this is the dumbest choice ever. <laughs> but it makes me laugh. And I've read it about 100 times. And I continue to read it. And now that I pulled it out to show you, I'm probably going to read it again tonight. It's the free comic book day with... Um, Dr. Dinosaur and Atomic Robo. Dr. Dinosaur rules. It is the dumbest, funniest thing ever. And in another issue, by the way, he talks about the Mezzo era. So we have a connection yeah. tonight. But um, it's just so pure and innocent and fun. Uh, those guys did such a great job with all the Atomic Robo books. But um, Dr. Dinosaur <laughs> is quite the character. So yeah. that one makes me giggle every time. Even though I know what the jokes come in and everything, but can't resist. Yeah, that was a great series. So there you have it. A bunch of uh, great artists, writers, and books for everybody to check out. I'll try to put those in the show notes once uh, we're done. And this goes on for streaming. Um, I need to give you, I've kept you now for an hour, but we need to give you a second here to give yourself a little elevator pitch for your book, where they can get it, where they can find you, where they can find A Wave Blue World so if anybody is interested they have no excuse not to get this stuff
1: yeah oh no, absolutely i mean right, i'm pushing right now it's meso volume one Mezzo volume sorry it's backward uh, <laughs> no that's one all right there's yeah. two um which is coming out this week um yeah i mean i had a blast writing this. so i mean i imagine some of it must some come across on the page um i think you're really gonna love it if you love fantasy action adventure lots of great characters um i would say that get it from your local comic shop but it's easy enough to find on awbw.com um same thing on social media uh either wave the world or my name tyler Chintaner. um we're we're out there it's not that hard to find me or or the company on on any of the uh, social media platforms
0: fantastic hey tyler who were some of your uh, favorite fantasy writers. I, I've read quite a bit of fantasy. I haven't had a chance recently because I've been so busy and it takes a long time to read some of them, but there's some of your favorite fantasy people.
1: It does. does. Um, growing up, I remember loving Terry Brooks, Piers mm-hmm. Anthony. I read a lot of. Um, You know, I read the token books, of course, Lord mm-hmm. of the Rings. I'm not like as huge into that, but I mean, they were, they were good and, and I liked it. Um, did read the King Arthur stuff, uh, myths of Avalon, uh, Once and Future King, The Mary Stewart. Mm-hmm uh, trilogies. Um, you know, um, yeah, I mean, I think that was sort of recently I've been reading, um, the broken earth. Si- um, cycle, do you know that one?
0: The,
1: yeah. The fifth element, um, stone sky. Yeah. I think, I think they're going to make something, a TV show or a, a movie. I think it's going to be a streaming show. It really good. Um, Jemisin, she's been doing some mm-hmm. comics like the Farscape. escape. Mm-hmm. Um, things um that's really good uh i like i like that one a lot i would recommend if people are um interested in reading a fantasy book that's a little bit different than what you usually get read the broken earth uh trilogy uh fifth element is the first one yeah Piers anthony loved his stuff um i'm trying to I'm trying to remember what that series was the one that the long-running running one that i read uh spell for chameleon and um, all that stuff and then uh yeah what's the name of that series xanth or something like that um yeah, love that series. Loved on a pale horse. Cool. Really cool writer. Yeah, on a pale horse. Fantastic
0: book. Did you say the one that you were was Broken Earth series? Broken Earth.
1: Yeah, by um I'm for, but blanking on the first the initials, Jemison is their last name. NK Jemison? Yes. Yeah. yeah NK Jemison. Uh, Fifth Element, Stone Sky, Something Gate. Something Gate at the end. Obelisk Gate is the is the trilogy. So good. Highly recommend. have
0: you read any robin hobb
1: no i haven't
0: assassin's apprentice uh starts the first series so good it's all first person perspective um very well written and we just a friend of mine reads even more fantasy than i do and uh we were just going to pick one to read together and so we found a list hey these are awesome books great reviews and so we pick it it's called a broken blade and we found out that it started on TikTok. <laughs> okay. And so it was like a TikTok writer. I'm like, oh, okay, this would be interesting. And uh, it kind of read like that. It was it was fine, but it was just so light. You're, you're done. And you just felt like there needed to be more kind of thing, you know. But yeah, it was. Yeah. It, it's interesting that somebody could get famous and, and write fantasy books starting on TikTok. So that's where yeah. we are.
1: I mean, that's, that's what we're doing these days, right? I mean, <laughs> definitely yes. on the Internet first. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, Tyler, we really appreciate you coming on tonight and, um, wish you nothing but the best with Mezzo.
1: Yeah. Thanks for having me on.
0: Absolutely. And, uh, next week we will be continuing with our read through of Sandman. We'll be on issue number 21. And, uh, we, we had talked previously about reviewing, um, Taylor Swift's new record because it's so ridiculously popular. We were going to try to find out if it was worth it. And I listened to a couple of songs today and I don't know if I have it in me.
1: I, <laughs> I gave it a listen once too, cause it came out and I was just like, I yeah, know it's fine. It's like she's had some songs that like, I'm like, I think are good. And so I listened to it through and that was my first impression too. I was like, I was like, okay, okay fine. But I, I didn't want to listen to it again. So I don't know if it's just cause she is who she is or
0: she has the know. top 10 songs. Yeah, like all of them are hers. Yeah, I saw that. So I was I like, mean, what's the hubbub?
1: But, yeah, but, I mean, I think that probably just has more to do with this day and age where it's like, well, everybody, like, you have less of the radio releases, so they're not going to mm-hmm. space out as much. And then just, like, if that's what everybody's going to. It's kind of like when you see the award show and it's like same few people clean up, like, ten awards.
2: Um, I mean, what, what does it even take to, to chart a song now? Like, I don't yeah. even know. I
1: mean, yeah, exactly. Like, how, how do you even measure it? Just... Because everybody who's a huge Taylor Swift fan immediately went and bought you know downloaded it all. So
0: yeah yeah, is it based on streaming numbers. Maybe, Maybe.
1: yeah, it yeah, must be something like that. so of course everybody's she's got the biggest fan base that just came out. So they're listening to the whole thing, right And you know it's not it's not a single system anymore because of the radio, they're probably listening to the whole album
0: interesting I so i didn't know we didn't
1: talking about <laughs> didn't see that coming but sure
0: no well we always try to <laughs> we always try to review what, or you know at least let everybody know what we're going to be reviewing the next week because that's usually yeah. the largest part of the show uh, but um there's not a lot coming out right now and um so i just threw that one out there and uh boy i don't know
1: hmm. we'll figure yeah, something sounds cool too maybe i'll listen and read along i've been meaning to go back mm-hmm. um but those first ones aren't quite as good. I mean they're good, but like I was thinking about picking up and I remember the first one so well and I just saw the show so I remember him being captured and everything. So I was like, oh maybe I'll pick up like after the doll's house or, or something.
0: So we this. we read it along with the show in a All way. Right. We and so just to kind of see what changes they made and how yeah. you know, how they stuck to the story and that was the intent of doing it. But now we're in so we're doing the whole thing.
1: Yeah. All right, cool. I might tune in then. Listen, read along and at home.
0: Yeah, and feel free. Uh, if you have something to say, you want to jump in, just send me an email, and you can jump on the show. Oh, cool! Sure. Yep. Open um, invitation. The uh, this is this
2: would be a good point to jump on because I think the next issue we read starts is it a game of Is that right?
0: I didn't look ahead. I just know we just finished um, hmm. Dream, Country, Dream Country,
2: so we just finished the Dream Country yeah. story. So now we're jumping into a new storyline. So okay, right, cool.
0: Yeah. 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 Let us know. Okay. All right. Thank you for uh, hanging in there with us tonight, everybody. And um, you can find Wanderings and Wool Gathering all over the place. You can find us on YouTube, Apple Music, Spotify, Stitcher, Castbox, and SoundCloud. You can find Metalhead Monday on Instagram at Metalhead Monday. And you can find me at Twitter and Instagram at Foggy's Pal. Until next time, we will see you around. Bye now.